You're listening to your Christmas MBA podcast with David and Kane. Kane, I know you've been very depressed about the recent forest fires in Sydney, but can I cheer you up with these Xmas games? Warriors versus Rockets, Pelicans versus Tuggets. Merry Christmas! The decibel you're shouting at doesn't register on my earphones. Literally, <laughs> the highest decibel that you're shouting at those syllables at, I, I can't hear them because you're going above my earphone capacity. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little worked up for these. But I know, I know what you're saying in a nutshell. Basically, we got these excellent Christmas games are coming up. Um, we knew coming to the season, Steph Curry is going to be going for the MVP. Uh, Zion Williamson's going to be battling it for the Pelicans. Uh, obviously, none of that has worked out. So after the Warriors play the Rockets, we have another exciting game. Instead of six and twenty-four, we have the seven and twenty-four Pelicans versus Denver Nuggets. Who wins? I like the Pelicans. I like um I like the way that Ingram is is showing okay, hot. I don't know if you're joking. Or I not. like that hot is showing is showing balls. I like that Lonzo Ball is showing nothing. Is he even is he even playing? Like I think he's injured. Does he even play this year? I really think that the Pelicans will get rid of. I, after you, sh- there was actually a trade rumor happening that Drew Holiday is open for that the Pelicans open to trading him, and this is after last episode when I was saying that like no, they should keep Drew Holiday, which I I think more than ever that's true. Like I really think if they want to build this culture correctly, they need to keep Drew, um, because I feel like if you trade Drew you're kind of sticking with Lonzo and they don't, they're not giving Lonzo any playing time and Lonzo himself hasn't shown you, um, you know, any abilities or any reason why the Pelicans should put any faith in him. Look, they're definitely not keeping Lonzo. Well, they need a point guard. Uh, they don't care. They're rebuilding. They're willing to mm. part with Drew. Why are they keeping Lonzo? That means they're, other than Ingram, they're probably trying to move everyone. Start fresh. I mean, they've got tons of picks now. I mean, they've seen what this group can do. Other than Ingram, they've shown us that they can't win together. I thought this was a playoff team at the beginning of the season. How wrong you were. Not the first time I've been wrong. Okay, Kane, this is a very special time of the year. But before we get started on our impressive Christmas show, should we do a little Festivus update? The New York Knicks have hired David Blatt as basketball operations consultant. Explain this to me. What does this mean? Consultant or fighter pilot? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so we know David Black was the former head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron James was there. And uh, like you mentioned, he once associated head coaches as fighter pilots. Do you, do you care explaining this uh, uh, like analogy or metaphor? Sorry. According to David Black, a.k.a. Maverick, he said that uh, besides fighter pilots, NBA coaches or basketball court coaches are the only other profession that needs to make, I think it was like a thousand decisions over the course of the game. I mean, these decisions are not even comparable. If you're a fighter pilot, you're probably making life or death decisions. David Blatt is making decisions like, should I get into the huddle that LeBron is dominating? Should I call a timeout? Do I have any timeouts? <laughs> And by that, you're referencing a moment in the finals in 2015 when he wanted to call a timeout, um, but didn't have any timeouts, was it? Like he didn't have any time- timeouts left and he was trying to call a timeout, but someone stopped him so, to, like, to avoid yeah, a Yeah, Tyler stopped him because they didn't have any timeouts. 
Wow. And then they gave Tai Lu the job. And then they won an NBA championship. Oh, that's good. That's good management. Seriously, that's good management. But anyway, this is really ambiguous because I'm not really sure what a basketball operations yeah. consultant is. Okay, let's break it down. We, well, what's a consultant? A consultant is someone that advise, usually external, advises uh, like a company or something, right? Like advises on how to do things, right? Uh, basketball is a sport <laughs> where uh, people shoot a ball through a hoop or pass it and uh, sometimes play defense and for the next, you know, optionally play offense occasionally. Um, Depending on the player, sometimes they don't shoot. Especially if you're like 6'10 from Australia and after four years, you just run up and down the court. <laughs> or sit on the bench okay, on the fourth quarter. Okay, I'm sorry, I'll cut that part uh, out. This, this is just... This is you. This is you that's being... Okay, and an operation, I guess an operation is some type of like, and how would you define operation? Like some type of uh, business. Business, if you will. okay. Business or like strategy or something like that. So David Blatt is hired as a basketball operations consultant. So he's trying to manage or give advice on the business side or the, the strategy of the basketball team of the New York Knicks. Actually, that's a good point. That makes sense. So why would they hire him for operations? I would think he would be talent or scouting. Do you think operations means more on the business side, or like analytical side, or more on the like actual performance side? Operations sounds more business. That to sounds me. business to me as well. The way that you've described it sounds accurate to me. But then again. I'm no fighter pilot. I am definitely, I, I'm, I'm definitely a qualified fighter pilot, but I don't know anything <laughs> about David Black. How many decisions do you make a day? Uh, at least three. At least three. <laughs> and to be, and back to that fighter pilot metaphor or whatever, it's really dumb because like, like you said, it's life or death for them. But for a coach, they make decisions similar. Like they should know a lot, right? But they make, they make the same decisions as every single fan who's drunk <laughs> at a bar, at the TV, when David Blatt's like, you know, or like even last year when the Spurs weren't, weren't you know, fouling anybody. Like, I know Pop knew what to do, but it's, it's kind of like those things, like everyone knows and like in precious situations what to do most of the time. You know, all the time. And that's what coaches are for. They should be right, they should be right on the money for most, most calls and decisions and it's not that hard it's just not that hard to get really what he said makes no sense on so many levels for one he's not making thousands of decisions over the course of a game i, I love when they do those um like inside the huddle on, on the coaches like they mic up the coaches and you know because obviously then they can't give away the, the actual plays and strategy of what they're doing but when they um show them in the huddle is always some kind of generic like positive message like we have to rebound. We have to box out and rebound. And when we get the ball, when we rebound, <laughs> then we're going to run up as fast as we can. We're going to play hard and, and, and play with great effort. <laughs> then the commentator's always like, this was a great inspirational message from uh, David Black. He knows how to get his players on the court and do what they have to do. It's like something always generic and vague like that. Have you heard the uh, coaches huddle when Derek Fisher was the New York Knicks coach? He's like, okay, guys, it's not complicated. They have shorts just like us. <laughs> just shoot the ball. <laughs> just dribble the ball. But if you pick out the ball, <laughs> you can only take two steps. <laughs>
Are you sure he's crushing the Knicks? Actually, that sounds right. That, that actually does sound. Oh my god, that was such a disaster. Oh, that was such a disaster. Thing is, like, Dark Fish is, like, as far as you know, is a. Like, he's been in the league. He was playing in the league for such a long time, and probably because he's a, he was a really smart intellectual player on the court, yeah. right? How else would he survive 17 years in the league or however long? Because he's not a really good player. Like, you watched him in his prime, right? And respected by Kobe. Yeah, just he played for the Lakers for so many years. When he he when later he couldn't even shoot threes anymore. He was slow. He was so slow, and also dribbling. Like he was an okay dribbler, and he's an okay defender. Like he's de- how tall is he? Like six one. I don't know. Very short. He's like he's a pretty short and stubby dude. Like and and for him to continue to play in the NBA means that he knows uh, like the game. He just knows yeah. the game inside out. Obviously, Kobe knows the game inside out. And so they worked well together because they were the you know the one in two position and they played well together. Um, but you know, given the disaster of coaching the Knicks, it just makes me I don't know, second guess his actual intelligence in basketball, maybe. Well, it's like what you said last time. It's like regardless of whether you're a good coach, bad coach, good talent, bad talent, as soon as you go to the Knicks, it just brings out like the worst in you. I mean, that's, I mean, if they couldn't, if Magic, jo- uh, sorry, Magic, well, no, it's not Magic. Phil Jackson <laughs> couldn't save this organization. I just feel like, yeah, there's no hope for anyone. To be fair, the night before, he was probably like running away from Matt Barnes. <laughs> Do you know that controversy? What, like the cheating on, with the wife kind of thing? Derek Fisher, in all his infinite um, wisdom, decided to get involved with Matt Barnes' wife, ex-wife. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, ex-wife. ex-wife. Yeah, and sorry. apparently he was over at the house and then Matt Barnes' kids was FaceTiming Matt Barnes and saying like, oh, you know, Uncle Derek Fisher is here. And Matt Barnes like drove over there and beat him up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? Matt Barnes got in like lots of trouble for that. And Derek Fisher was still playing. No, no, he was a coach. He was a coach. That's, that's why it was such a... He was coaching the Knicks at the time. And Derek, it was found out that Derek Fisher was like flying over to LA on the weekends or something, or between games, to like be with uh, Matt Barnes's wife. It was a disaster. What it comes down to is, we think David Blatt is being hired um, to be on the business side of the Knicks organization. We're not really sure why. They still have a head coach. No. Oh, uh, they got interim they have interim head, coach, head right coach, now. coach now. Mike Miller, not the player Mike mm. Miller though. So, I mean, I don't know. Who, who knows? I will just say that if David Blatt still has the same attitude he had in Cleveland, which is, you know, I am an almighty basketball god, you should listen to me, then best keep him away from the players and let him focus on the business side. Because that shtick is not going to work with NBA players. You, know, you, need to earn, you need to earn it. Like, Pop, Pop probably, you know, talks to his players in a certain way that other coaches can't get away with, but because he's Pop you know, he can do it because he's earned it. Exactly. I mean, mean, David Blatt, after his first win, uh, the Cavs players, they gave him, like, the game ball. And during, like, the presser, media asked him, like, how does it feel to win your first game? David Blatt was like, I've won thousands of basketball games. I was like, okay. (laughs) But it's that type of attitude that I think got him in trouble. I can see it, too, because, yeah, this David Blatt character had an ego and didn't really come from NBA background, like he earned his stripes in the Europe. Um, but then Ty Lue was, you know, a guy that 
probably knew, if not knew more than David Blair as a coach. And then he had the background to back it up because he played many seasons in the NBA and a champion. He was an NBA champion as well as his time as a player. So, um, yeah, obviously a lot more NBA players would know and respect Ty Lue more than David Blatt, a guy coming from Europe. And, yeah, like you said, I, I, I'd, I doubt that he's going to be coaching in any manner with the Knicks. I'm pretty sure that he's purely on an advisory role as like helping out this teams in some capacity. I don't know how, but it's not with the players themselves specifically. But who cares? It's the Knicks. They'll, they'll fuck it up anyway. Moving on, another player that's feeling a bit hurt and disrespected is, of course, my favorite. Always energy out of 10, Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> I think this is my favorite uh, non-trade story <laughs> I've ever heard. I didn't actually see what happened there. Do you want to go into what happened? I, I didn't see what happened, but I watched a video afterwards. And yeah, do you, do you care explaining? Okay. Sorry. So uh, Isaiah Thomas goes into the stand to confront a fan. And Thomas said that afterwards that the fan had both his middle fingers up and was saying, fuck you, bitch, three times. Not once, not twice, three times. That's the ultimate disrespect. Yeah, and also this was during a free throw. Like he missed his first one and then he hit the second right. one. And then like, you know, while he was taking his free throws, he noticed, like you said, these, this fan uh, in front of him with his both middle fingers up and saying, yeah, if you. Using both the F word and the B word three times. Then uh, Isaiah Thomas basically said, to the fan, don't be disrespectful. I'm a man before anything. Be a fan. So he went up to the stands after the, th- the free throws or like after the game. That's the part I wasn't mm. sure. No, after so the after free throws, the free yeah. throw, when the game is still on, he went into the stands to confront this guy? I think during a timeout call, but anyway, yeah, go on. So basically he went into the stands to confront this guy and the guy, I guess, got scared and said like, I'm sorry, I just wanted a frosty. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you laughing at? <laughs> what the man wants a frosty. He it's was very so angry. Like, okay, very angry. It's so like relatable though. That's the that's a problem. And then also the funny thing is like during Isaiah Thomas's explanation to the media, saying like you know that the fan was saying f you, and then when um, Isaiah Thomas confronted him, the fan just said like oh I just wanted a frosty, and <laughs> because Isaiah Thomas didn't miss his second free throw, and then um when they said like. When Isaiah Thomas was like saying that, oh, he just wanted a frosty, and so I told his security uh, to take him out of the stadium. I was thinking like he might say like uh, he might be like, oh, sorry, I misunderstood you. I'll get the security guard to get you get you some kind of like ice cream or dessert from the concierge or something. <laughs> no, it was like arrest him after the, the misunderstanding. It was like no, I'm gonna get the security guard to kick you guys out, which they did. The fans did get kicked out. And um, Isaiah Thomas, I think, got received a tech or something, or something like I forgot how, what he received. But now, did you know, like, uh, after the league review, he's been suspended two games now. Of course, because that's what I was going to say. This is not a technical issue. He going into the stands, that's suspendable. So now we know two games. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I think what Isaiah, okay, if I had to defend Isaiah Thomas a second, I don't in this situation, but if I had to, it's because I feel that he probably thought being disrespected by the fans was uh like not a fan's right kind of thing like that like he thought the fan went over the line by saying f you which is not 
and calling him three a bitch, times, three times, bad, so. but, three times, which is bad, but it's, it's it's fine. Like fans say way worse stuff, and profanity and the b word is probably much on a much more tamer end. And the fact that the fan told uh, Thomas that he just wanted, sorry, he's a, he apologized and said, "I just wanted this frozen trait." Um, and uh, Thomas, for him to still act in a you know pissy mood and and get security to uh, take the fans out, it, it, it's pretty like I don't know. Like he and then also said uh, during the press conference that um, I've been in NBA for a long time. He's played in Boston. He's played in like so many cities and like this is the thing that sets you off and makes you confront someone like I, I i just either a he's like trying to hide the truth a little bit and like someone was saying actually something really bad but he didn't want to get he was actually doing it to defend the fan a little bit like to not get him kicked uh, out forever so. for life or he's just a really petty small guy that <laughs> for some <laughs> reasons ticked off for something else not possible related right. like just on his mind and this thing just set him off and he just had to confront this dude. And yeah, the dude never got his Well, frosting. you do realize that this is the same Isaiah Thomas that actually banned me from his Twitter, right? He blocked me for tweeting at him about his energy out of 10. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, true. So would you say in this instance, his energy was 10 as well? I don't know. I mean, literally we have like three listeners and he, he took it upon himself to like block us, okay? But more importantly, that's that's actually like a compliment. So I've actually regretted that move because I actually I do and get enjoyment reading his uh, tweets, <laughs> most of it about energy at ten. <laughs> Isaiah Thomas said this very important point, which is I'm a man before anything else. Explain this to me. What does this mean? Explain this I to me no as a black man, Kane. Why do players always use this cliche? I'm a man. I'm a man. What else would they be? Am I a man? I'm not sure if I'm a man. I think he's saying, like, I'm not just, like, some kind of circus animal. I'm not just a basketball player for you to yell at and, like, deride. I'm, I'm a human being kind of thing. So treat me, treat me like a human being, uh, like anything. And be a fan like everyone else. Your, your point is so, like, actually spot on that I can't even, like, make jokes about it. Because <laughs> that actually makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> Damn you! Damn you! But, no, I, I just really think the funny thing is that, like, the fan apologized and came clean as to why he, like, used the curse word. Like anyone, like anytime. Whatever though, whatever. Do you believe that fan? I don't think so. I, I think the fan got scared after Isaiah Thomas. He got scared. Yeah, he definitely got scared. But I also think it's kind of cute that he's like, I just wanted a frosty. <laughs> he was probably scrambling. He's like yelling like "fuck you" and <laughs> bitch. like "bitch." And he, all he wanted was a frozen dessert. Yeah, but whatever. And like IT, even after hearing this, didn't like chuckle or like see the humor in it. He just he's decided to kick, kick them out still. So when Russell Westbrook had this issue with a fan, he said the the fan was yelling at what was racist. He, the fan yelled out something to the effect of like "get on your knees, bitch," like you're used yeah. to. Yeah. If it has a racist connotation, right. then That's that's like no, that you can't stand right. for that. But if this is just like swearing at a player in terms of like trying to put him off like i don't i don't see the huge huge crime here like i i don't think it's great and if the nba wanted to try to ban this uh, it's fine like i'm not really against that but to say that this is like a horrendous crime and it's on the level of racism i i think there's levels to this and 
I don't think this is something that necessarily need, needs to be outlawed. And I think the NBA agrees because they find I, they didn't see the you know any uh, you know real validation for it to go into the stands. Right? If if the dude was yelling racist things, then it has every right to go confront the fan. Right? Uh, he because was still get suspended though. By his own he admission, he get suspended. For going to the stand, but what it means that the fan will probably be banned for life for doing that. Let's see what happens to the fan. Let's yeah. see what happens to the yeah. fan. If he's banned for life, then I agree. Then fine. Then I agree with you. The standard is you can't swear and you can't yell bitch to a player. Certainly, anything that's racial should be banned. Anything that's like a uh, racial, anything for sure. that's anything too, racial, or even, sec- like or even like attacking is, his family or anything like that. Not to say this fan did that, but anything like that will be probably off limits as well. Because I feel like ultimately, just because you have a ticket doesn't give you a free pass to be yelling out any random shit at some guy. Anything personal is probably off limits, but this, like what he said, isn't really personal. He's just saying the F word and calling him a bitch. He just wants a frosty. Okay. (laughs) He just wanted a frosty. (sighs) Usually people just yell. This this dude did take it up to another level. Why is he yelling at Isaiah Thomas? Like, if Isaiah Thomas misses two uh, free throws, they get a frosty? What is that? How does that even work? That sounds like a complicated rule. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, usually, like, a promotion with, like, everyone. Like, if you have a ticket, you can use that ticket to redeem um, the frosty. And to activate the voucher, uh, someone needs to miss. Or the other team, sorry, has to miss two free throws. It's a way to kind of increase volume in the... In a stadium, you know, because when you miss one free throw, everyone's like clamoring, like yelling at the top of the throat because you get free shit. Everyone loves free shit. Next, we have a Sixers update. I don't know why I even added this. The Sixers are sixth place in the East. The caveat is a bunch of teams are now clustered together. So they could be, you know, one or two wins from, let's say, the second or third place. But nevertheless, they're the sixth place or perhaps maybe fifth place now. Are you concern about this at all hmm let's see i i think it's not a super concern only because uh let's say they're the sixth seed or the fifth seed if they're the sixth seed they're versing the heat right if they're the fifth seed they're versing like the raptors yeah they're not gonna win against neither of those Um, teams by the way yeah, see, I'm not so sure about that. Like, I, I think the Sixers are just as talented as the Heat or the Celtics. If, in fact, I think they're more talented than the Heat, really. But Jimmy Butler is just that type of dude that can take on an entire team. So, oh my God, he's can scary. you imagine Jim, Jimmy Butler against the Sixers? Yeah, there's gonna be, be some bad be blood be. there, by the way. But I don't think that they're like insane. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think the difference between the Heat and the Sixers is a massive gap. You know what I mean? Just because we say they're like one or two games back of a higher seeded team, you could you could argue well, you know the other teams are just one or two games from pushing the Sixers down to like the eighth seed. No, I mean that's not possible because the eighth seed is the magic, <laughs> and the difference between the seventh seed and the sixth seed, like the paces are twenty and ten, so they're like right, they're game and they're half game behind the Sixers. The Nets are full three and a half games behind the Pacers in the seventh seed. So, like for them to drop into the seventh or eighth seed, it's just like it's not happening. So pretty much those those spots between two to six is like locked. Like the Bucks are most likely going to win the East, and then from two you have Celtics, Heat, Raptors, Sixers, Pacers, 
they're all literally a game and a half like difference between each other. They'll jostle in between, and then at the end of the se- uh, season, they'll be versing each other anyway. You know what I mean? Like regardless of whether they're third seed or sixth seed, or you vice you swap swap it switch it around so you have home court advantage, but it, it's going to end up being the same thing. Home court advantage made all the difference last year. Mm. Next, Kyrie Irving. I was surprised to learn that Kyrie is still out. I feel like it's been a while. Maybe it's been a month now, since he, more than a month that he's been out yeah, with a shoulder injury. I mean, it hasn't really affected the Nets because they've started out four to four and seven with Kyrie, and now 12 and six without Kyrie. Um, the main reason is because uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is playing like at all-star level. Okay. Spencer does need minutes, and he does need a volume. Uh, but I, I also, at the same time, I, I'm picturing this perfect scenario where Kyrie is the best player when he's on the court, and then you switch it out, and then you got Spencer coming off the bench, and he's the best player on the court. Um... Like, that's a pretty dangerous rust. Like, that's a pre- pretty dangerous, like, you know, rotation. You know what I mean? Because when Spencer goes out, you got no one behind Spencer. Like, they, they don't have any, uh, like, uh, distribution from other play, like, point, point-wise from other players. Like, no one can create their own shot like Spencer. And no one can create their shot like Kyrie on this team. So, yeah, I think that Spencer can go back to the um, bench, be a six-man-of-the-year kind of candidate. And just, you know, get Kyrie to be Kyrie. Because that's how Spencer... Spencer's playing a lot in isolation. He he moves the ball around a bit better than Kyrie, but, like, don't get me wrong, this guy dominates the ball a lot, and he can take it to the ring and finish on anyone. Like, that's how they've been winning all these games, because Spencer's literally score, scoring, like... I think he's averaging right now is, like, 25 points... Per, uh, he is averaging 22 points per game now. In the last three games, he's... Scored 39, 41, oh, and 31 Christ. points. Okay. And he doesn't even shoot three points that well. Right. He was one for eight in the last game, and he scored 31 points. But because Kyrie is such a, you know, ball-dominant player, like, he he just, like, you pretty much live or die with Kyrie, miss, like, hitting or missing shots. So I can see how, like, that can affect the team chemistry. Um, but I just... I guess what I don't believe is Kyrie being such a detriment to your team that you can't win with Kyrie. I, I, don't, I don't believe that to be true. You're a Nets fan, and it sounds like you're neutral on Kyrie. You don't think he necessarily hurts the team, but you don't think he like really translated to that many extra wins regardless. Yeah, I think that's true. I've always said that, though. I, like, even with Kyrie, if, there was no, if Kyrie played the entire year, I reckon they'll just finish with like a few more wins than last right. season because Kyrie's been D'Angelo. But I think in general, this team uh, will shift to Kyrie's style. When they get KD, it's a totally different story because now it's Kyrie feeding off KD and let's see what KD can do and get his shots right. off, right? And KD is a 60% field goal shooter. It's a totally different team once again. So I don't really put too much stock right now as Kyrie is a super, as the best player on this team because when KD comes... KD is going to be the best player. And let's see what KD can do. And Kyrie being the second best player now, we've seen what Kyrie can do when he's the second best player on a team. Right. And I think people forget that. We love to focus on this narrative that this is Kyrie's team. It's not. It's not really. When we see how great, when we see how great KD is, 
we wouldn't be calling it Kyrie's team. You know what I mean? Okay, Kane. So for our final topic, it's very appropriate for this time of the year, of course, the holiday seasons. Our dear listeners are probably eating a bit more than they should, being a bit more relaxed in their spending. Perhaps bought an extra present or two that they shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> and as the year comes to a close, we got to really just get our finances together. I want to talk to you, our dear listeners, about Fan Dream Shares, <laughs> brought to you by Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> Run, <laughs> Run. <laughs> okay. I feel like this is a uh, a sponsor. Break it down for me. What is this fraud that Dinwiddie is trying to peddle to to our dear listeners? You know what. I think actually my idea was smarter originally, but it's not. It's actually not as uh, as uh, what's the word revolutionary as I thought. Although it is different, and this is kind of more what you're saying. So I think you were more on the ball as usual. Last time you're talking about, in terms of as usual, yeah, true. Uh, in regards to fans investing in uh, a player, um, basically what Dinwiddie is trying to do here is that. He wanted to convert his contract to Bitcoin and then, I don't know how this works, but sell digital tokens to investors. So basically these investors would be investing on on-court performance of NBA players and then they'll gain returns based on future NBA contracts. So the more money they make, the more money that will be like, you know, then reallocated to the Bitcoins and then that will affect the market share and, and whoever else is invested in that um like those bitcoins by those players. Um, I read this. I saw this interview that Spencer Dimity was doing um, for Katie's uh, like media company. Oh, what do you call it? The Boardwalk brand. The boardroom. Uh, boardroom. The boardroom. Yeah, he was talking to Jay Williams. Is his name Jay Williams? Katie's friend. Um, yeah, Katie's good friend, and also like analyst on a number of NBA shows, and it was. Just, Telling him that you know athletes are untapped market, um, and then this investment or this ability to invest in players just provides another way of fans getting in on the NBA players. Not only the like the money they make, but just the opportunity to be immersed in the world a bit more and be more like like yeah immersed and part of the world. Like in terms of rooting for that, that makes absolutely Obviously, no sense. By the way, good fortune for the team. But also for them to then make more money, as because that way it will make in turn make them money. So it makes, that makes no sense. sense. I mean, how? Why would basically Dinwiddie is converting part of his contract into yeah. like this currency? So you invest in the currency, but how does yeah. like, let's say Dinwiddie becomes a max player? How do you benefit from that? If I had to kind of put in layman's terms, I don't fully understand it either. But let's just say that um, uh, currently he sells his he sell he converts his contract. To bitcoins so say let's just put it simply he makes five million dollars mm-hmm. okay and he splits the five million dollars into five tokens so each token is worth a million dollars right yeah. let's just say you buy part of one token so let's just say you buy a hundred thousand dollars of one so you buy a tenth of one mm-hmm. token um hundred five hundred thousand dollars let's just say then he makes a new contract he plays well who makes multiple all-star teams and now his contract has ballooned up to ten million dollars now that token that you bought for $100,000 is now worth double because now it's worth $200,000. Um, 
Uh, I don't know. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. Does that don't make sense? Follow because like these tokens, they can create as many as they want. Yeah, they so, can create like, as many as they want. So it's got yeah. nothing to do with like his new contract. I think it's because don't base it on his contract. Like his co- think about the contract as a part of him. He's selling him. He's selling himself as like uh like an asset. Yeah. He sees himself as an asset. He's the intellectual property. And the better he plays, the better he does in different different revenue streams, whether you know through his marketing or his endorsements and stuff. That's all going to be part of the total value of Spencer Dinwiddie. And I I don't think it's just like his one contract. Like he can multiply his revenue streams to kind of create him as himself as like the total value, and uh, that will be reflected in his the tokens that he's selling out to investors. That probably makes less sense, actually, now I think about it. But yeah, it's not so much like... I don't know. It's not so much like it's just... Uh, I, what was your question, sorry? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like lost me. Yeah. I don't know, too. Sorry. I probably lost. I, I lost. Okay. Myself. Well, I think what it is is that I feel like this is, uh, this is a very bad investment. Please, listeners, don't buy into this. Yeah. Uh, even if you're a Spencer Dinwiddie fan. I feel like his upside is limited. In other words, even if he becomes the best player in the NBA, like why would you buy into this product? There's just so many better products to be putting your money in than this Dinwiddie stock, mm. which is investment in one player. Mm. The upside of this player is, is so defined because there's, it's a salary cap league. There's like a max to what you can mm. pay or how much his value can grow within the league. Yeah, I think that's the thing again. It's no, Don't just define it based on the one NBA contract. I think it's... It's like a totality of all the um, revenue. Like imagine investing, like imagine, just imagine you invest in LeBron. Uh, just imagine you're like a white, pasty, oh, fat. God. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fat, fat writer, uh, in a, you know, for the Ohio State uh, News... Can newspaper. I ask a question? Sorry? Is from from Akron? Akron? Was, uh, yeah, just imagine you're from Akron. You're yeah. just like a fat <laughs> nerd that like, you know, loves basketball for some reason. And uh, you're like 25 years old at this point. And you go to like these high school kids gyms to like try to, um, you know, stake out talent, right? And you see this like Adonis uh, six foot eight, six foot six, uh, just jumping, you know, through the gym, through hoops, and is like leading the Akron City high school team to multiple national championships, and then you invest in him. You invest in that person, right? Uh, imagine how rich or you know how good you'll be, how good you'll be in your position. Uh, Fifteen years later, that dude, that high school kid, then became a superstar with an empire backing, and you know, uh, like. Uh, I don't know, every endorsement deal under yeah, the sun, yeah. you know, like how rich would you be then from the point where you invested in this high school kid to now, you know, seeing this kid rise to becoming the best player in the NBA. Like imagine if you put money on that. To now stocking this this person's 15-year-old son. Yeah, and then going uh, like another level where you start to, uh, you write a book about him and then you stalk his son and, and then you write stories about his son's high school game and, you know, really get into the, you know the really deep 
sick oh, okay, perverted okay. shit uh, that you know you're doing this is not 20, even 20 years this ago. Is like, this is slander. This is slander. <laughs> this is slander. I'm not, I'm not, this is hypothetically, okay. I'm, I'm saying, imagine like, imagine this, imagine like, this. Like, I'm not, it's <laughs> yeah. not a real person, yeah. obviously, like, no one's that much of a low life. True, let's call, just... let's uh, call him Mr. B. <laughs> yeah, let's just call this guy Mr. <laughs> B.W. Yeah. Or Brian, Brian's a generic, um, like, fairly popular um, generic name. Yeah, B-R-Y-A-N, yeah. Brian. It's actually spelled B-R-I-A-N. You know, it would have been really scary yeah, uh, if even back in the day, Brian called this uh, young talent Brawny. Anyway, so that's, that's, that's all I can say. Like, I just imagine you investing actual money, like actual money in this kid, like if he was a stock. Imagine, if he was, imagine LeBron James as a stock and you invested him in high school. You, you'll be pretty rich. I would right say now. in either scenario, you'll be in jail. It just depends on whether the SEC comes to arrest you or the FBI comes to arrest you. But to your point, yeah, like to invest in Spencer Dinwiddie personally, you're probably not going to make major money because like you said, he is not a young, you know, spring chicken anymore. And he's got a defined ceiling. Like he's a very good player for sure. Like I I really think he's an all-star this season, but he's not. Um, he's not going to rise from where he is as like a, you know, uh, like, what do you call it? Like a mid all-star player to becoming the best player in the NBA. Like that's not going to happen. Or even if his value like increased to LeBron James level. If you invest in a company, this company can last like 50 years or 30 years. Like do you, can you imagine a, a player having that type of growth over a 30 year period? I don't think so. And I think that's the problem with investing or like trying to put your money into cryptocurrency because that like those 30-year projections or whatever, it does, doesn't exist. They're not blue chips. They're just, because they're, they're not defined by the, you know, the market. It's just defined by popularity and um, demand, you know. There's no market and there's no, there's no leverage that like uh, the stock can base itself on. So there you have it, listeners. In our uncertain world, the best thing you can invest in is your NBA podcast with David and Kang. So I encourage you to go on to Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast. Find us. Give us five stars. Only five stars. Find that button. Click on submit. Or tweet us at Your NBA Podcast. Listeners, this holiday season, drive safely. Drink responsibly. Don't yell F you and bitch to people if you need a frosty. Just, just go buy it yourself. Stay away from Bitcoin. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your MBA Podcast with David and Kane. If you enjoyed our show, please tweet us at Your MBA Podcast.